Glenn Taylor Helzer was a self-declared prophet and former cult leader, also serial killer, who founded and led the Children of Thunder. Glenn and his followers murdered five people as part of an extortion plot to overthrow the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints and to hasten the return of Christ. This week, we are talking about the Children of God and their psychotic, very delusional leader, Glenn Taylor Helzer. I cannot believe we hit 7,000 listens. Me neither. Holy high five, girl. Like, I told Chris, he was like, that's a lot. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> My it's brain is exploding. It's been bananas. Thank you, everyone who has participated in the listening. We feel honored to have your attention. Seriously. For real. Mm-hmm. And like most of our episodes get fully listened to, which is like double honor. Mm-hmm. Um, like that you guys listen to us. It's just bananas and we love you and we thank you for it. Our first episode is, is and always will be our most popular. That one's coming up to almost a thousand downloads. Um, the other ones are a lot lower because I think that some people are like, Oh, it's a podcast about cults. And then they go to listen and they're like, Oh, they're against organized religion. I'm going to dip out of here. <laughs> Which is well, we you want. know what? That's fine. <laughs> That's good. We don't want you here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. See yourself out. <laughs> and I'm usually yeah. the passive one. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> We're not saying you're a part of a cult, but you're a part of a cult. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to those eventually. Just the like. popular one. <laughs> yeah. The popular cults. Um, but yeah, so I'm Alicia Galati. And I'm Jada Smith, and this is Two Sisters in a Cult. Yeah, it's a podcast for your earballs. We are sister cult survivors talking about cults. Yeah, that's what makes us a little different. Like anytime someone's like, Oh, you have a podcast about cults, I'm like, Yeah, it's um it's pretty great. <laughs> it's <laughs> from the point of being cult survivors, wait a minute. You grew up in a cult? Yep. Just listen to the podcast. I'm not rehashing it here. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Marketing and it's a conversation. Yes, exactly. (laughs) How many cult members have to be involved in order for it to be a cult, do you think? Mm, More than two. Yeah, (laughs) more than two. (laughs) I like that. So the cult we're going to talk about today, it was the leader, his brother, and a girl. That is it. Look at that. (laughs) Yeah, I was very apprehensive once I started researching this one to, like, it's definitely a cult. Like, I'm not going to say that, like, their beliefs aren't very, they they line up very well (laughs) with what we would consider a cult. But I was like... Are they a cult though? Because it's only three members. Like, there's the leader and two members. Like, does that really constitute a cult? But it kind of reminds me of the Wesson family vampire massacre. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. it was like a dude who married a lady and then married her daughter and then had like 18 children 
but it was still just like that dude. He Damn. was just raising his kids in a culty situation. Yeah, that's so true. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, totally. Well, today we're going to talk about Glenn Taylor Helzer. He was born in Lansing, Michigan uh, on July 26, 1970 to Gary and Karma Helzer, who were both devout Mormons. And Mormons and the Church of the Latter-day Saints, same thing. You'll see uh, both of those used in this episode. So just for anyone who's like, but wait, you said Mormons. Same thing. Mm. His dad was an insurance salesman and his mom was a housewife, but she was a trained physical therapist. And sometimes she did work as a physical therapist, um, but there was emphasis on the housewife. So I felt the need to put that. Oh my God. Physical therapy takes like years, bro. Right. Like, why was she? Why was she the housewife? Because it was the 70s. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I know. Because you work at a a physical therapy place. Yeah, I work at a physical therapy place. And a lot of them are physical therapist assistants, which Mm -hmm. is still a lot of work. It's a lot of schooling, but you can't do some of the things that a licensed physical therapist can do. And that takes a lot more school. Yeah. And I can't imagine spending all of that money on school and training and then staying home to take care of two kids. Three. Three kids. But yeah. They have a they have a sister. She was not part of the cult, but she was uh, part of the family still. But mm-hmm. yeah. No, I totally agree. And that's why I felt like the need to mention that she was a physical therapist because I was like, oh, yeah, hello. Here is. But they moved uh, around a lot in the beginning of their marriage and uh, after Glenn was born. And he goes by Taylor, but dude's name is Glenn. We're calling him Glenn. I'm not even going to deal with him today. <laughs> I've had enough of people changing their names. To what their name is. Your first name is Glenn, dude. It's not like his dad's name was Glenn also. And he went by, no, listen, <laughs> Glenn. So uh, they settled in California, about 20 miles from San Francisco. San Francisco. This is going to be like a lot of the stuff that happened, happened in the Bay Area. I don't know enough about the Bay Area or San Francisco to constitute a normal conversation about it. So we're just going to leave it at that. That was where uh, the Wesson family was as well. Oh, San yeah. San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. Yep, yep. Is that like a hotbed for serial killers? It is. California is. Like a oh. lot of... <sighs> okay, so there's the East Area Rapist. Mm. there's the Night Stalker, not the original Night Stalker, because the original Night Stalker is the East Area Rapist. But Mm. there was the, I forget what they called him, because I listened to a lot of true crime podcasts and stuff. Zodiac guy, right? um, There was the guy who used to draw gay guys, and then he would murder them. I forget what they called him. He had a name, though, like a snarky name. But, like, let's normalize naming people after, like, the bad features. Not, like, Night Stalker, but, like, Smelly Dick or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get a cool name. You're a piece of shit. killer. Yeah. Bad breath. <laughs> <laughs> the Dingleberry serial killer. <laughs> exactly. Like, just call them really shitty names. They don't get cool names. Not up in here. Love it. Anyway, so he had a younger sister, Heather, and a younger brother, Justin. Justin was only two years younger than Glenn, um, and then their sister was a little younger than them. Glenn was the favorite child. 
Karma, his mom, told him that he was a prophet of God and told him that other kid that the told the other kids that they had to listen to him, which I feel like isn't that far out of reach for like the oldest kid. Um, but being told that you're a prophet of God and that you're destined for greatness, I feel like that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. Uh, and he was definitely their favorite. Yeah. And he frequently reminded his shy younger brother, I'm number one and you're number two. Piece of shit. I was going to say, I really like his mom's name. I didn't register the first time that her name was Karma. Yeah. But also, fuck her. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> Around 14, Glenn started hearing inaudible messages. Uh, some were telling him that he had the gift of revelation. And he couldn't differentiate if the voices were coming from God or from Satan. So it sounds like we've got a bit of schizophrenia going on here. Yeah, maybe a touch. Yeah. The brothers had to go live with their grandfather. There wasn't really a lot of information on why, but they went to go live with their grandfather, Doyle, in Salt Lake City. And if you know anything about Salt Lake City, that is Mormon headquarters of the United States. (laughs) Um, his, His grandfather was like, over-the-top, dedicated Mormon. Their cousins uh, described Glenn as an enthusiastic, enthusiastic, kind, and respectful Mormon boy and teenager who was full of life. His aunt said that her children enjoyed his teachings on respect for nature. His cousin described him as a mentor. The grandfather was, like I said, an extremely devout Mormon, and he was he even says that at one point he saw Jesus in the flesh on his front lawn and spoke to him for hours. So there's already like the, this devoutness that he sees in his grandfather that he wants to emulate, especially since his mom is like, you're a prophet of God. It sounds like his grandfather had a touch of the skits as well. Yes. I believe that would be. Or he was just straight out lying. But since those things are hereditary hereditary, Mm -hmm. and Glenn had the same issues at 14. Yeah. I'm going to say there's a mental illness running in the family. Is this grandfather his mom's dad or his dad's dad? Oh, I want to say his mom's dad, but I. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that was my first imagination because she's all here a prophet of god yeah yeah so glenn looked up to him but he never felt like he could live up to the level of devotion that his grandfather showed i mean you gotta think like you're a teenager you're in the mormon church your family is ultra religious you're having all these hormonal feelings you just want to go in room and masturbate you're looking at girls whatever Mm. like it's never really good situation when that kind of stuff right. happens, when you're in an extremely devout religious family. So he graduated from high yeah. school, uh, served in the National Guard in Texas. Um, he returned. And then, so one of the things that Mormons do is that they go on a lot of missions trips. Um, you're mm-hmm. pretty much required to go on a missions trip once you finish high school. Uh, unless you go to the military and then, then you, um, which I don't even know if they let people go to the military. I don't remember. I haven't done enough research on Mormons. Uh, it's been years actually, since I've done research on Mormons to be able mm-hmm. to give a, you know, this is exactly what they believe, um, and how they act. But 
they do a lot of missions trips. Uh, and so Glenn went right after high, right after his time in the National Guard. Uh, he was about 19 years old, 20 years old. Uh, and he went to a mission trip in Brazil in the early 1990s. And during that time, he was very popular. He led a lot of Brazilian people to the church. It was like all these great things. But then when he returned, he started to like see things differently with the church. And he started to express his views that were different than the traditional Mormon doctrine. He was determined to defeat Satan, and which I'm like, oh my god, you, you thing, you, you're determined to defeat <laughs> Satan. Um, <laughs> he started to say that the church was going in the wrong direction, uh, that the whole church was incorrect, and that's from a Mormon friend who was uh, quoted saying that. Glenn married his wife Anne in April 1993. They had two daughters, uh, and then his. His aunt also noticed changes in him during this time. He started smoking, drinking, and then he left his wife and child um, in 19, uh, 1995, 1996, and they were separated at that, at that time. Um, but he became like, it was almost like this was his rebellious phase. Uh, so someone mm. asked his wife, you know, what happened around that time. And she was like, he wanted to live life but to him living life was living alone or not having anyone to report to you know as you would to no a responsibility. wife no responsibilities he wanted to drink he wanted to smoke and he wanted to have sex with whoever he wanted to have sex with so mm. it's like well you really shouldn't have dragged Anne and your two daughters into your rebellion like get that shit out of you before you settle down um, but I do notice that a lot of people who grow up ultra religious don't exactly, um, they don't exactly have time to get that stuff out um, of that rebellion. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. By the time you're old enough that everybody's expecting you to have your shit together, you are just realizing fully that you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why you see a lot of people who like get married young, um, and end up staying together for the kids they end up getting divorced later mm -hmm. because they realize, well, maybe I'm gay or maybe I just don't want to be with you anymore. Like, you know, that shit happens. Right. So I was going to talk about this at the end, but I feel like we need to talk about it now. So when he came back from, I mean, you guys know he murdered people. He's a terrible human being. And so he obviously went to court, right? So I want to talk about something that he went to when he came back from Brazil. So he's on top of the world. He's having this great time. He's converting all these people. He feels like he is like the shit, right? The day after he gets back from Brazil, his mom tells him to go to uh, these sessions, these impact trainings. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, impact training is not something that is, like, in your face um, as being bad because it's they come across as become a better person, do great things, reinvent yourself, 
a lot of that like like mindset shift stuff that's like out there in the world right now having a lot to do with like toxic positivity yeah that kind of stuff uh but think like 90s version of this Mm. but the problem with these impact trainings so they were part of i believe they were part of the mormon church i don't know but he went to these confrontational seminars called impact trainings they have uh, similar programs in Utah and Sacramento, and it was uh, founded in Salt Lake City in 1985, and it's described as intense. Uh, they're similar to, like, there's a few other programs that they're similar to, but I don't really want to name them because I don't want to get sued. So, anyway, <laughs> let's go back. They first became popular, like, 30 years ago. I think it's more like 40 or 50 years ago at this point, but like really we'll see this in a few other cults where they have people sitting as kind of like what you talked about last week, where they are berating you, they're tearing you down, exploiting you, you're humiliated to awaken this inner person in you that you need to deal with. Right. So it comes across as like, God, we're trying to pull the inner child out of you, but really they're just being really shitty. So defense witnesses uh, described the experimental group experience that tears down participants through exploitation, humiliation, and emotional pain in long sessions of deprivation designed to awaken your quote, inner child. Overweight women are, uh, are sometimes dressed as cows, Victims of child abuse are told that they seduced their abusers and are responsible for their own abuse. I can't. Um, After a person shares their deepest vulnerabilities, the group shouts insults at them. They're given degrading labels such as dirty slut, and that is the name they are required to use throughout the workshop. To use the bathroom, they have to be accompanied by a staff member. They also have to have permission, which isn't always granted. These regimented sessions are emotionally so devastating that participants often vomit. They manipulate uh, participants into spending more money and more advanced levels of training for on more advanced levels of training. So they utilize high-pressure techniques that they have training participants recruit others to sign up for the few days of expensive abuse. The first phase, called Quest, it was $495 for 40 hours in four days. Witnesses say that it was much longer than four-hour days. Second and third phases are $795 each. So this work, these workshops and these impacts trainings, this is where he he learned that it doesn't matter what you do. Like this would be a good idea if it was just you. Right. So however you got to do it, you get it done. Right. Okay. Yeah. However I got to do it, I'm going to get it done. But when you put it in the context of what Glenn later tries to do of taking over the Mormon church by murdering people, whatever you got to do, you got to get it done. Like, that's that's where the issues in his mental health and that kind of stuff 
is it takes it for a turn that is not exactly the best. So he went to these impact trainings and that's where things really shifted for him. I don't know why I was going to talk about that at the end. It makes more sense to talk about it now. (laughs) Allswell believes in the power of a good night's sleep for all. It's been their guiding principle since the moment they launched. Their mattresses are designed to make good sleep accessible to everyone. The Allswell features hybrid mattress technology combining the best of both worlds, memory foam, and individual coils. A winning blend for comfort and support. Love it. Their goal is to create an affordable mattress without sacrificing quality or luxury. So what's the result? The Oswald Queen mattress costs only $345. And no, that is not a joke. Their Queen mattress is only $345. By using our special link, you can get free shipping, a 10-year limited warranty, and 100 nights risk-free trial. Definitely go check it out. You can find our link in the show notes. That lets Allswell know that we sent you and helps to support our show. Or you can simply go to twosisterscult.com slash savings and you'll be able to find the link on our page. We have all our favorite things on there, but definitely go check out Allswell and get yourself a queen mattress. Allswell, dreamy mattresses for real life. So... It was during this time that he became more and more obsessed with the coming of Christ and that the church was doing it all wrong. He was excommunicated from the Latter-day Saints uh, church in 1998 due to his drug use. So he started partying. He started drinking. Around this time, he had declared himself a prophet and developed a list of maxims that he called the 12 principles of magic by which he expected his followers to abide. He had plans. (laughs) Uh, He had plans to assassinate Mormon leaders by training Brazilian orphans to become assassins. (laughs) Oh my God. Dude, how many drugs are you on? One too many. One too many. Uh, So he had this plan. He was going to call this start he was uh he wanted to start this self-help group called transform america and it was intended to create a state of peace and joy he referred to himself and his followers collectively as the children of thunder now children of thunder comes from a bible scripture mark 3:17 so the king james version says Wait, isn't this about the sons of Zebedee? Yes. And James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and is surnamed them uh, Boniger, Bone, Bone, I don't know, Bonerges, whatever, Boanerges, whatever, which is the sons of thunder. So that's where he gets the name. James and John were two of uh, Jesus's disciples. I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be an insult. Probably. He was telling them that they were loud and uh, pushy. (laughs) (laughs) Like. (laughs) But, you know, Christians, they take everything out of context. (laughs) (laughs) We are the children of thunder. I'm pretty sure it says sons of thunder. Shut up. 
I know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so to get money to finance his assassination plan, he started an ex escort service, right? Shut up. So that along with his job as a stockbroker, uh, he started dating a woman named Carrie and she was, she worked at a local restaurant and uh, they started doing, going to a lot of raves and doing a lot of ecstasy. So in 1998, the escort service was doing really well. Uh, Carrie got a side job as an exotic dancer um, she was, they were making a lot of money. She got new boobs. Oh my God. They were spending more time and more money on raves. And Carrie was recruiting some of the girls to work at his escort service. And they had this whole plan that they were going to like make, they were going to have the, uh, escort women have sex with these high end, like rich dudes and then blackmail these rich dudes. And then that's how they were going to get money. But he was like, listen, I can't keep working the stockbroker job, so I'm going to fake a mental breakdown. That wasn't really that hard for him to do, seeing as he had added cocaine and meth to the raving ecstasy parties. So uh, he ended up getting diagnosed with bipolar disorder and was hospitalized during a psychotic break. And he was able to go on disability after that. And that was in 1998. Oh, my God. Carrie left him. She was like, I'm done. I can't even handle you. You're psychotic. This is enough. I'm like, you're bananas. And she even went to some of those sessions with him. Um, and she was like, yeah, no, I can't do this. I'm not. I'm not into this. Yeah. Good girl. So, yeah. So she left him. One podcast I listened to said that she became the centerfold for Playboys 2000. So good for her. Oh, shit. Go Carrie. Dawn Godman, we're going to talk about her. Dawn was a lonely woman who was seeking spirituality uh, for her speed habit, broken marriage, and suicidal tendencies. Oh, no. And on Memorial Day 1999, Dawn met the brothers at a murder, murder mystery dinner at a, like, Mormon temple, which it wasn't an actual Mormon temple because he was excommunicated. Uh. But it was more like someone's house like almost like a youth party kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, none of them really felt fit in at this murder mystery dinner. Um, they were, you know, having issues with the people there. They were like, man, whatever. So Don <laughs> was attracted to Glenn because quote, he made you feel like you were the most important person in the world. This we see so often with cult leaders Mm -hmm. They have this charisma about them where, and pastors and politicians mm -hmm. and CEOs. You mean um, cult Yeah. So there's this like thing about them that makes you feel like they are, that you are the only person in the world they're talking to or have ever talked to. And like, you're the most important thing. Don't fall for it. It's a lie. So yeah, it's a farce. Glenn took Dawn. In his car, they drove to the Oakland Mormon Temple. He's, he went there because he said, God will protect us. And this means that the devils won't be able to hear our plan. <sighs> That's not how it works, bro. Seriously? <laughs> That's not, not how If I can't see him, he can't see me. Right? Like, <laughs> close your eyes. Nobody can see you. <laughs> Jesus. Um, 
so yeah. So <laughs> he told her exactly what happened, what his plan was. This is what they were going to do. They were going to get all this money. It's going to be great. She listened to his plans for Christ's return. His idea was that he was going to assassinate all of the leaders of the Mormon temple, Mormon church. And then he would become the leader. And then that would push Christ's return closer. That's not how it works, dude. Like what? As Glenn ordered her to kill in God's name, she said guardian angels encircled her and she considered it a blessing. I mean, you have this woman who has a speed habit, broken marriage, she's suicidal, and this guy shows up and is like, you are here for a purpose, and this is the purpose. Like, obviously, she's going to be like, oh, angels coming down from heaven. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah. So, in order to finance the plan, he had developed this scheme to extort money from Ivan and Annette Steinman, an elderly couple who had been his clients when he was employed as a stockbroker. <sighs> On July 30th, 2000, the, the brothers, so we're looking at Glenn and Justin, because he had moved in with his brother. I forgot to say that. He moved in with his brother, Justin, after he uh, left his wife. And then Don became Justin's girlfriend and moved into the house with the two brothers it's all very complicated i thought she liked glenn i'm confused no she liked glenn as like a father figure because she said that made her feel like a child in its parents arms yeah but she was like oh your brother's cute though hey That's the weirdest shit. Imagine following Jesus and being like, yo, your brother's cute. Will you set me up? <laughs> I mean, why didn't he have brothers? Why not? I don't know. <laughs> You're not allowed to fuck anyway, Jesus. Like, let me get at your brother. Hey. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Blasphemy. Anyway. Um, on July 30th, 2000, it's going to get dark. Let's stop laughing. <laughs> Uh, Justin and Glenn and Don kidnapped the Steinmans and forced them to write checks for $100,000 before murdering them. Oh my God. Yeah. Jesus. Then the three of them murdered Glenn's girlfriend, Selena Bishop, in order to prevent her from potentially providing information that could lead to his arrest. Oh my God. To extort the Steinmans' money, they convinced uh, the girl um, to open a bank account in her name and for him to use. And he told her that he was inheriting a large sum of money, which he needed to hide from his ex-wife. So they got her involved and then murdered her. They then went to Selena Bishop's apartment where her mother was staying and they decided to eliminate her mom Uh, Because she had seen him and he feared that she could identify him. And then he murdered her friend, James, who was at the apartment that night using a gun that was registered to Justin. Oh, my God. The bodies of Selena Bishop, who she was actually the daughter of like some singer. Elvin Bishop. Yeah, I don't know him, though. Me neither. 
He's okay. So she was the the daughter of blues guitarist Elvin Bishop, best known for his 1976 hit "Fooled Around and Fell in Love." I don't know the song, but the bodies of Selena Bishop and the Steinmans were dismembered and stuffed into nine black duffel bags and were later fished out by divers from the Sacramento San uh, Joaquin River Delta. So they first found the two bodies of uh, Selena's mom and her boyfriend, her friend James, or might've been boyfriend, I don't know, but friend James. Um, and they were like, whoa, what in the world happened? And then they realized that Selena wasn't, they couldn't find her. Um, and that's when they were able to kind of connect them. So the five murders were connected when police recovered duffel bags from the river, which contained the dismembered remains of Selena and the Steinmans. Investigators searched the Steinman residence and found a note written by Ivan mentioning Glenn. Friends of Selena were shown photos of him and they identified him as Jordan because he was like, oh yeah, my name's Jordan. It wasn't, it was Glenn. Yeah. A DMV check revealed that he owned a 1998 Saturn sedan and Justin owned a white 1995 Nissan pickup, both of which matched the description of vehicles believed to have been connected to the murders. Investigators also found that Justin had recently purchased the 9mm Beretta, the same kind of gun that was used to kill Selena's mom and her friend. Fingerprints belonging to Justin and Don were found in the Steinman's van, which was stolen and abandoned. Dude, torch it. What is it? Like, first of all, how are you that bad at your murdering job? Honestly. <laughs> we're not condoning we murder, guys. <laughs> but if I've learned no, anything. No. But if we if we were, <laughs> torch it. we better than you, fucking Glenn, Justin. <sighs> So on August 7th, 2000, police arrested Justin and Dawn at their Concord home. Glenn had fled to a nearby house where he threatened a woman and demanded money, a gun, and a car. He cut off his ponytail and then left through the back door, and he was arrested shortly thereafter. So Ah. Dawn accepted a plea deal and agreed to testify against the brothers. Uh, She was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison for the murders and 12 years and eight months for other charges related to the murders. Uh, Glenn pled guilty to all charges and was sentenced to death. Justin pled not guilty by reason of insanity with his attorneys claiming that he suffered from a delusional disorder. Justin was found guilty and sentenced to death. And then this is where Glenn's attorney starts to talk about like that impact training that he, that Glenn went to and why he believes that the workshops, the drug use, the mental issues, and the belief that Glenn was a prophet is what spurred this horrible crime spree. He always insisted that those close to him attended these meetings. Um, and like I said, he had like had Carrie go to them and all that stuff. And she was just like, yeah, no, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this. And that was his like, this is preparing you for my group. You have to go to these meetings. So Mm -hmm. Justin also went to these impact trainings and he says that it took away his ability to resist influence. However, uh, these brothers were also staffers, like staff members of these meetings and similar groups. Like he, they were assisting the facilitators. And so I feel like when you have 
yes, you might be pulled in, but when you have a peek behind the curtain, you know what's going on, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's kind of like, yeah, at the beginning it might've swayed you, but then you were so invested in this that you decided to like be there for it against other people. So yeah. You made that your day job. Exactly. In 2010, Justin attempted to take his own life by stabbing himself in the eye with pens and pencils. Jesus fuck. Why? Yeah. There's better ways to go, buddy. So Justin at age 41 was found dead April 14th, 2013 in his single cell at San Quentin prison. He had committed suicide by hanging while he was incarcerated there. And that is the absolutely terrible story of the Children of Thunder led by Glenn Helzer. Wait, so Glenn was sentenced to death. Has he died yet? Or No, so fucking California. Yes, okay, okay. (laughs) I know. Yeah. I talked about a guy who was put on death row and then, yep. They recently changed the law, so nobody can do that anymore. Yeah, so he has life in prison at this point. Um, Well, that's good. Yeah, he's definitely not getting out. Um, I hope he gets mental, medical attention. Yeah. Me too, because... And I really do think that it was those impact trainings, the touch of schizophrenia, the bipolar, and the drugs, like... The drugs did not help the situation whatsoever. No. Um, they most likely made it worse. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought this one was quite it's interesting. Rough. I'm torn between wanting him to, um, like, I, I'm torn between feeling bad for him because of the issues <clears throat> I assume he has yeah. and had for most of his life, at least from his teenage years. But like at the on the other hand, like when you hope for someone to get better, they'll get better to the point where they can understand exactly what pain they caused. Mm-hmm. And I'm torn between that being an appropriate punishment and like that being too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I always, almost always think the perfect punishment for anybody is, like, if I could make a spell that gave the memories of the person you hurt to you after you did the thing, that that would be it. That would end of story. Time served. But, I don't know, with him, like, with his mental shit and all the drugs he was doing and the breakdowns and the training i don't know i don't know if i want that for him but also he killed a lot of people and that's yeah. yep and it's like all in a in search of what really you know like mm-hmm. to kill off all the mormon leaders and then to instate like instate yourself as like the leader so you could bring world peace like the means don't justify the ends no ever and it's extremely delusional. The whole thing. Extremely. Yeah. These people like, die you, for nothing. You want to move up through the ranks. There's a way to do that. That doesn't involve killing people. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Jeez. Children of Thunder, guys. 
this was a good one. I love Millennials. <laughs> Children of Thunder. Oh, what a jum jum. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end it with some gratitude bits before we close out. Um, we haven't done them in a while, and this will give us some uh, happy thoughts <laughs> before um, we leave. Um, I'm grateful for the, that mention of the Children of Thunder. That just brought me so much fucking joy. <laughs> no, let me tell you, because I was researching the uh, validity of the personhood of Jesus a while ago. Nice. And this this researcher that I was reading, um, James Tabor, I think his name is James. It's Tabor anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was saying that, you know, there's this part where Jesus is hanging on the cross that he's like, woman, behold your son, brother, behold your mother, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the theory obviously popular among Christians is that he gave his mother to his beloved disciple who everybody assumes is John, but he had like three brothers who were in his 12. Right. So why would he like, if his mother had an actual living son, why would he give her to somebody else? That doesn't make any sense. So they like this guy goes through the disciples and talks about Jesus's relationship with them based on certain things. And the sons of thunder was one of the things he pointed out, like the two sons of Jebedee, of Jebedee, Zebedee mm-hmm. were hot headed and annoying and fucking st- oh my God, stupid. They were the ones that were like, what? You can't cast out demons. Jesus, look, that guy's casting out demons. And he was <laughs> like, it's okay guys. Really? <laughs> So that's why he called them Sons of Thunder, because they were loud and stupid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share that story, because <laughs> it just... Why would you name yourself after some pushy disciples who didn't do anything right? Because <laughs> that's exactly what they were. <laughs> like... <laughs> You laid it out clearly. Could have this episode could have been two minutes. The pushy disciples who didn't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I am grateful for cooler weather. Oh, it is. It's still like seventies in North Carolina, but the mornings are cooler, and it just like putting the heat on at night and bundling up into like a long sleeve shirt. It just feels so great. And I just love it. Aww. So that's what I'm grateful for. Also, Halloween is upon nice. us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's 50 degrees here. I cannot stop talking about it. Every single year I have always been like, uh, it's fall. That means winter's coming. But this year I am really appreciating the coolness and the colors and the smells i really am yeah i um i bought some pumpkin pumpkin pie creamer and i almost didn't and it was so funny because i was like i was telling chris i was like i almost didn't buy this because i was worried that someone would judge me but Aww. I don't have to tell anyone. <laughs> right? 
what the fuck is wrong with me? And also, it's like a flavored creamer. Who cares? Yeah. And like, I don't even like it, but I just wanted to have it because it it's part of the season. Amen. <laughs> uh, but yes, I'm excited for Halloween. Um, we will not be doing trick-or-treating this year. Uh, yeah. But, 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 but our county is doing a a drive-by trunk or treat. So we will drive through a, like they ask that people still still wear their masks and everything, but we Mm -hmm. will drive through where, you know, there will be select a few people who will be allowed to hand out candy and you drive through, you pick up your baggies and then you drive home. So we're going to do that. We will watch Halloween movies all day because it's a Saturday We'll watch Halloween movies all day. We will have some pizza. We'll do a sleepover. Um, And for those who are new to the podcast, hello, welcome. Uh, But Friday nights, our family sleepover nights, usually we bring the beds out to the living room and we have a sleepover party. Every Friday night is like the thing we do. (laughs) It's so much fun. Uh, So we'll do that with a Halloween movie Maybe a new one. We'll probably find something that's new that we have not seen. There's a new uh, Adam Sandler kids movie, I think. The Hubie Halloween? Yeah. Not yeah. appropriate for children. Oh, not a kids movie? Okay. <laughs> I just saw a very brief clip. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it is. We saw it. It is not appropriate. <laughs> okay. Good to know. <laughs> just the shirts his mom wears. Like one of her shirts says, I shaved my balls for this. <laughs> she like buys all her shirts at the thrift store and they're all sexual it's hilarious oh my god um, definitely watch it it's a good movie and i don't like adam want that shirt. don't sue me don't sue me i don't like adam sandler i don't think he's that funny but this was a good i understand movie. he can be a bit over the top sometimes definitely can many a comedian yes um but yeah so there that one's a good one but no not for my kids <laughs> yours will be fine watching it but not mine <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then what else the yeah so we'll watch a movie and then we're going to hide bags of candy around the house turn off all the lights and give the kids flashlights and make them go find it so i'm really excited it's going to be a ton of fun it's like a Easter basket situation. Yeah, exactly. But it'll be worth it. Um, I cut yeah. the last time I talked about what we were going to do out. So this one is staying in. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm excited about that. And Halloween is upon us and Samhain. So I still have no idea how I plan on celebrating Samhain. It'll be my first year celebrating it. Um, and so I'm kind of like, trying to figure out how i plan on doing that i have a while to do that still not by the time this comes out it'll be like days <laughs> but yep, yep. what about you is your county doing trick-or-treating are you planning on doing trick-or-treating or um i don't know whether i, I doubt people are actually going to do that this year i think they would be crazy if they did but agree i know but... that <laughs> Um, the mall is doing something called pick or treat. 
Okay. Where you either take a picture or you go to the mall and you take a picture in the photo booth, but with your costume, and it's basically a costume contest. Oh, nice. Grand prize. It's really cute. Yeah. So we might do that. Um, or I'm, I, I like that uh, hide the baskets and turn the mm-hmm. lights off idea. I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm excited about that because I feel like that'll be the most fun. And one thing said, like, hide it really good and either hide one big thing of candies, like a big basket of candies or hide like several. And it'll Uh keep them occupied for a good 30 minutes if you hide it well. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I don't have to walk around in a freezing cold costume this time. (laughs) I mean, it'll be warm down here, but it's usually like 70. It'll be warm down here. (laughs) 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 yes yes yeah i have zero desire to go house to house with everything going on right now yeah Um, i normally have zero desire and i have even less yeah yeah so and we've talked to our son about it and like talked about exactly why um we've talked about people who don't believe that the coronavirus is real we've talked about the amount of you know americans who have died due to uh complications with the coronavirus and that it's a very serious thing we don't want to get sick and you know we add in the fact that like he had pneumonia last year and if he gets sick Mm -hmm. again it it could be bad and so we don't want him getting sick we don't want his brother getting sick i have asthma it could be bad for me you know like so just trying to be safe for us, for other people, all the above. But were you in a cult? Do you have a favorite cult? Is there a cult that you want us to cover? Do you want to just tell us a crazy, creepy, mystical experience you had? Send us your stories at two sisters cult at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon. <laughs> If you like our show and you would like to support it, obviously it's always free for you. But if you'd like to donate, that really helps to offset the cost of making the show and allows us to keep creating more amazing content for you all. So you can go to twosisterscults.com, click Patreon on the top menu. You can get exclusive perks like a shout out on the show, access to our top secret Facebook community. And if you join at the $10 level, you'll get a Two Sisters and a Cult sticker and exclusive monthly bonus length, uh, full length episodes that are not going to be available on the podcast. We have some pretty sweet merch available in our shop right now. You can pick from lots of different kinds of decal stickers, lots of different t-shirts, and lots of other fun stuff. Like shop in the menu at twosisterscult.com. And the best way for you to help us out on the show is to like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to tell a friend who you think would like us. Or 15. 15 friends. Yes. (laughs) You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Two Sisters Cult. So come hang out with us. Catch you on the flip side. And don't join that cult.